listening to the Paul McGuire Report, wherever you are on planet Earth, wherever you are in the United States of America, the EU, whatever continent you're on, a free continent or a totalitarian slave continent, wherever you are in time and space, you have tuned in to the Paul McGuire Report. And on today's program, we are going to continue to take the deep dive. That's an expression that I began to use quite a few years ago. It spread, but I wasn't the only one. I don't know why that term, uh, taking the deep dive, took off. I think it's because it, it captures the essence of when you, the difference between playing at something and, and taking the deep dive, willing to sacrifice and go where no man or woman has gone before to press the boundaries, to think outside of the box, to gain research that other people are afraid to uh, acquire. So on the Paul McGuire Report, we take the deep dive because in my own life, the three questions that consumed me from my earliest memories were, why was I alive? What am I doing here on planet Earth? And, And what is my purpose in life? And you can separate those a little bit more with more precision, but that was essentially it. I wanted to know why I was alive and what the meaning of life was. Because the way I mapped it out from a, being a really young kid, I, I, I postulated this. I said, you know what? This is why while I was an atheist, an existentialist, a secular humanist, but I was also because I was spiritually hungry and turned off big time by the Christian religion, which I despised above and beyond all other religions. Uh, I was reading books by Edgar Casey, books by all the great scientists on science, the bio- biographies of all the great scientists. And so I was, I, I wanted to find out answers. So I pursued science, uh, rejected religion basically, but then I got into the mysticism and the occult and meditation and Eastern mystical religions. And then I got involved. I didn't get involved in taking psychedelic drugs initially, or even for the most part, to get stoned or to get high. I took psychedelic drugs because the the men who I idolized, quite frankly, people like Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley and Timothy Leary, um, all whose lives not only influenced me powerfully through their books and their writings, but in terms of synchronicity, I ended up living up in the Hollywood Hills on Lookout Mountain Avenue, and writing my first two books. My first two books were, uh, from a biblical Christian point of view, exposing the deceptions of the occult, Eastern mysticism, and the New Age movement. Those were my first two books. And I wrote them right in the epicenter of the New Age, the occult, LSD, MKUltra, mind control, and the whole deal. So I talk about this in uh, detail in my book, Power from on High. Now, when I was living up on Lookout Mountain in Hollywood Hills, that was a weird place. You have no idea. First of all, you'd have people like, we, we had a small house, okay? Our house was like a, a, a small ski cabin. And you may have seen pictures of these uh, this area, but our house was built on long pillars that Part of the house anchored itself into a, a very tall hill with trees and stuff. And then the rest of the house just, you know, went horizontally 
with nothing out there, nothing really to support it except these pillars. And when you drive through the Hollywood Hills, even today, you'll see these large houses, medium houses, small houses. They're all like terraced and hanging off a cliff. And the only thing that's holding them up is maybe four or six or whatever beams. Well, that was my house. And what was interesting was that when I moved there in the 80s to to be the executive producer on on a science fiction feature film in the road warrior genre called Wired to Kill. Our film was not as good as as uh, Road Warrior or some of the other films. But despite all that, our film, and I was the executive producer and there were other key people involved, our film, uh, you know, we had to raise millions of dollars to produce it. Then we created a marketing and distribution company to release it. And then what happened was, um, you know, back in the days of the entertainment industry, I was very good at PR, public relations, marketing, distribution, promotion, things of that nature. So what happened was that uh, we produced a, a knockout trailer to sell the film. And, and people were running into the theater, literally all across the United States. And the foreign markets went ballistic over the movie because they love action adventure. And, uh, but what happened was the film was doing great. We were number 12 out of all the big budget studio Hollywood releases of films for, for a couple of weeks, we were number 12. Now that's a huge deal because our, our film was a low budget film. I forgot how many millions of dollars it cost, but it was a drop in the bucket compared to the Hollywood films you know, that we were competing against that might have cost $100 million. And, and that was okay, too, because we were pulling in our own audience, the action-adventure audience. But what happened was director Oliver Stone decided to release Platoon, you know, the, the, the movie about, the, I think it was the Vietnam War. And in any case, Platoon was, was a masterpiece. But not only did it have action and adventure, Platoon was brilliantly written, directed, acted, and et cetera, et cetera. So when Oliver Stone, we, we, we opened in hundreds of theaters across the nation. I think we opened in like 600 theaters or something uh, across America for Wired to Kill. But Oliver Stone was like somewhere between 2,000 and 3,000 theaters were showing his film, competing with us. So the minute Platoon hit the screens, uh, we were on our way out. There's no way we could have competed with a film of that brilliance and all the money behind it. So I'm up in the Hollywood Hills, Lookout Mountain Avenue. And uh, what I didn't know at the time, and I was beginning to write books. My first book, I mean, I'd, I'd been writing books well, for a, a long time, okay? But every book that I wrote was rejected, you know? In case anybody has an illusion that my life has been easy or an overnight success or I came out of the middle of nowhere to be successful, that's not usually the case with most people. You know, there's there's fairy tales that go around, but most people, not all, some people just have big bucks and open doors, but most people have to struggle and fight and claw their way up one way or the other. And so... um, I wanted to write a book. God put that in my heart. And it wasn't just like, you know, 
when you're discerning the will of the Lord and the guidance of the Lord and the direction of the Lord, you want to get get it right. So I'm not talking about like playtime, nursery school, leading of the Holy Spirit and God, where I think maybe in a long shot, he's leading me to write a book. Because, you know, like back then, I don't know about now, but back then everybody wanted to write a novel or a book or whatever. So, so just the desire in and of itself, that's fine. But what are you, are you going to be faithful to, if, if you really believe that it's God leading you and guiding you and telling you to do something, then you have to back that up with action and be faithful and diligent and, and study your craft. And most of all, know what the heck you're talking about backwards and forwards and upside down. There's nothing more pathetic than to read a book um, that uh, basically doesn't understand the material that it's covering and misrepresents the material that it's covering because the author or uh, authoress or whatever you want to call it was just lazy. So I, I did the deep dive of research up in the Hollywood Hills and wrote my first two books, both exposing the New Age movement, my role in the New Age movement, giving part of my testimony. And it's interesting that I wrote it there because what I didn't know at the time uh, was that I, our house was literally in, is in an epicenter, in a kind of spiritual vortex. And what I mean by that, and I explain it in detail in my book, Power from on High and the Greatest Battle, but literally about five blocks from my house on Lookout Mountain Avenue, in some cases, maybe 15 blocks. Okay, but I'm talking about anywhere between five blocks and 15 blocks from my house, where I was writing books and producing feature films, and I was an intercessory prayer warrior because I was part of Jack Hayford's ministry of the Church on the Way. So, man, I, I was trained. I was trained spiritually by the grace of God with, with a level of uh, spiritual training from some of the greatest, most disciplined, knowledgeable men of God in the world at the time. And I'm not embellishing or exaggerating. Jack Hayford was one of these men. And uh, what, what he instilled into me uh, as a spiritual father, he instilled into me the, the absolute necessity of picking up your cross and following Jesus, the absolute necessity of perceiving yourself as a servant first, and then you'll rule with kingly authority. So you, you learn to be a servant queen, excuse me, a servant king, and if you're a female, a servant, uh, a, a princess queen or something of that order. Now, the key is power, unlike the Luciferian system where power comes from pride and ego and the willingness to do evil things to acquire power, in the kingdom of God, which is the greatest kingdom there is, it's the eternal kingdom. And in the kingdom of God, where the true king lives, the king of kings and the Lord of lords of the entire universe, the Lord Jesus Christ, he and his kingdom and the way he, the principles that he has established for power, leadership, promotion, uh, etc., are not the same as the world systems. So Jesus demonstrated before us that 
he demonstrated before us that he came to serve mankind. He came to lay down his life for mankind. And we are his disciples, which simply means we are to pick up the spiritual disciplines, disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're to pick up our crosses and follow Jesus. And we're not to exalt ourselves with pride. We're to humble ourselves before God. And it's in the act of, and not false humility. I'm not talking about putting on a show before people in God where you, you know, uh, uh, perform a, a little skit of, you know, fake humility where you act like you're being humble, but you're, you're really, it's all contrived. So you have a humble heart. Now, this is, a, this is one of the most powerful principles in the Bible, one that is not understood very well, but it is a key that I'd like to share with you today on the Paul McGuire Report. I'd like to place in your hands another, in a series, I'd like to place in your hands another key of the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God. And if you've been noticing, I've been regularly sharing powerful truths with you. And they're so powerful that each of the truths that I've been sharing with you are not only biblical, but they represent individual and distinct keys to open the door to the kingdom of heaven and by faith uh, receive the resources that God has for us. So the entire kingdom of heaven model is based on the idea of love versus Satan's kingdom is versed, is based on ego, pride, lust, covetousness, total self-centeredness. So Lucifer's kingdom is a competing kingdom to the kingdom of God. God reveals to us throughout the scripture, especially in the life of Jesus Christ, who comes as a suffering servant, who comes as a servant king. And everybody, the Jews especially, were expecting Jesus to come as the prophets predicted, but they were expecting Jesus to come to the earth and excuse the vernacular, but they were expecting Jesus Christ to kick the booty, if you will, of uh, the enemies of the Jews and the enemies of God. And so they perceived that the biblical Messiah prophesied was more of a political and militaristic Messiah or Savior. And they were, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were very disappointed uh, about Jesus because he didn't fit their preconception. Now, the other thing is, God is teaching us about the infinite power and authority and rulership of being a son or daughter or a child of God. And you'll see that what Jesus models is that he's a servant. He humbles him. He doesn't have to. He's king of kings and lord of lords. But he humbles himself before us. He doesn't strut around in a prideful manner like Satan, demanding to be worshipped, even though he certainly could have that right. And then when you read the initial chapters of the book of Revelation, you see the model of what God is trying to instill into our hearts right now down here on earth. And it, this model will continue for all of eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever. So let me read you a verse or two that, that reveals the secret of this key of the kingdom that I want to place in your hand. 
because when you learn how to use this key of the kingdom, it will open up for you and your family and your loved one in this nation, in this world, it will open up a series of incredible doors of supernatural resources. So hang in there with me. You need to go to paulmcguire.us. That's our master website, paulmcguire.us. You must, I'm asking you, if you, are, if you get fed at all by this ministry, even occasionally, I'm appealing to you on the basis of Christian love and Christian ethics, and I'm asking you as your brother in Christ to help me in a very important way, and it will cost you nothing. Please join and sign up for our prophecy e-blast list, totally private, at paulmcguire.us. Please sign up and join our various social media platforms like, uh, well, everything from Facebook to YouTube to Rumble to Bitcoin. And we have like, I don't know, go to paulmcguire.us. We keep adding social media platforms, but I need you to join them because you see the numbers uh, that are indicated, like the number of watchers, the number of likes, the, the number of viewers, those numbers circulate via uh, AI throughout the internet. And if you have high numbers, it will open the door for you to reach larger numbers of people. If, if, you will, if you just don't fight back in a peaceful way and allow your numbers to be artificially reduced and rigged, which is the case, anyone who's speaking the truth, anyone who is trying to demonstrate courage and leadership and speak the truth and shine the light in darkness. They're all experiencing the same thing as I am in this ministry, Paul McGuire Ministries in Paradise Mountain Church. Anyone who speaks the truth, we are getting our numbers rigged. They are made artificially low. Uh, they uh, are not accurate. We are suppressed uh, in, the, in the search engines. We are... Uh, we're under attack throughout the internet, primarily by bots and artificial intelligence. And uh, who's attacking us? Who's attacking us are at the very top of our society, the, the globalist elite that rule America and the rest of the world, employ powerful think tanks, uh, powerful hit squads, if you will, of uh, uh, people that are experts in um, manipulating the data of social media and the internet, et cetera, et cetera. And their, their primary goal, they are under instructions. They have a list. Listen to me carefully. I need you to step up to the plate. I need you to listen to me carefully, please. And I need you to spread this information far and wide as fast as you can while we still have the opportunity to spread this information. So this is the truth that you need to deal with and I need to deal with. There is a worldwide and global and highly organized, especially in the United States, there are centers that they have created in all over the United States to track, monitor, profile, rig the numbers, uh, uh, lower your, your you know, visibility in the search engines, and attack you, diminish you, make sure if people are trying to find out about you that only only negative things show up, and they electronically hide the good things. So they are operating on the basis of lies, which means they have no ethical standard. They're operating on the basis of lies, and there is a master list 
that has been around for 50, 60, 70 years at least, um, that has tracked anyone with strong, I'm talking about strong, law-abiding, and peaceful political views, social views, um, um, particular causes like climate change or you know, alternative energy. So if you are of any particular religion, and if you are, you know, religious, and not just evangelical, but you could be a Catholic, you could be a, a Baptist, you could be a, a Hindu or whatever, a Scientologist. The collection of metadata in the last 30 years or so, massive computers, I write about this in my book, Power from on High, and uh, uh, the Greatest Battle for the Hearts and Minds of Mankind in the History of the World, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, Conquering the Matrix, The Day the Dollar Died, and my other books. And what they have done is they have collected metadata on every individual in the United States of America so they know your political orientation, your religious beliefs, your moral beliefs, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, where you give your money to. They know everything about you. Now, people think that that's impossible. Well, it's impossible if your conceptualization is one of people doing all this work. These are giant buildings. You can look them up on the internet. It's an, the, the NSA has massive buildings and warehouses where they store data in, in, in at least two massive locations uh, in, in Utah, in the desert. Now. They collect data on everything, and then through artificial intelligence and high-powered computers, they compile the lists of names of people who, let's say, are against abortion or for abortion and so on and so forth. So I always say this because a lot of people are afraid to commit to, to, to you know, support a ministry, to like a ministry, to join the E-Bless list. But I want to I tell you something. If you have any opinion, opinion at all about things, even if it's just a very low-key opinion, I promise you, you have already been on a list about you from the day you were born, because your parents, unless they had no beliefs at all, they were on a list. Okay? You don't have to be a bad guy to be on a list. Everybody is profiled. And so you don't have to be afraid of joining our e-blast list or joining our social media pages because we're not going to sell you know your name or, or the list there's no danger for you to be on the list because wake up and smell the coffee you've been on the list as i have and every person you know is on a list since childhood that's the the technocratic elite that's what our society has become um, in my books i talk about one of the globalist elite zibiganu brzezinski his daughter was that Brzezinski girl. She was either on uh, one of those cable news channels, and she was like a Manchurian candidate, uh, pseudo-television commentator. But her, her father was Zbigniew Brzezinski, a genius, but an evil genius, a right-hand man to Rockefeller, the co-founder of the Globalist Council on Foreign Relations and uh, the Trilateral Commission. And he wrote a book in 1776, which I quote in my books, and I explain to you in my books. It was called Between Two Ages, where Brzezinski openly called for a technocratic elite or a technocratic 
dictatorship, which simply means a technological dictatorship to rule the masses, and that we need to use computerized electronic surveillance technology of every kind and all forms of scientific mind control, including the usage of psychedelic and other kinds of drugs. So everybody's on a list now. I have talked to to very well-known people who do, you know, stuff similar to what I do on the internet and as communicators and authors and stuff. Some of them are, are my friends, some of them are your friends, and I've talked privately. And every person that I have encountered who speaks the truth, who who tells the truth to his followers or audience, um, they are all experiencing counterattacks as I am. And they all have experienced having the numbers rigged, the numbers of, of followers, watchers, viewers, likes, listeners, not only artificially rigged, but artificially lowered. So if, if the, hypothetically, if the real number of actual listeners to their podcast, if the real accurate number of listeners to a podcast, let's say, is 227,000 people, Per episode, um, and yet every time their numbers come out uh, by that social media company, whether it's Rumble or Facebook or Google or whatever, you see a number of watchers and viewers and followers that is artificially warped and lowered and rigged, and it it, it gives out false data and says you only have total twenty seven thousand people watching. Uh, listening to your podcast, but but the factual truth is this: you you have far more than twenty seven thousand people. You have two hundred and twenty seven thousand people, but they use computer algorithms to artificially lower your numbers so they can create a false perception among your followers, among your enemies, among society in general. The intention is to create a false perception about the teller of truth, and by lying about your numbers, by rigging your numbers and artificially lowering them, you're essentially communicating to everybody, well, this person is not important. This person is not really influencing people. This person um, doesn't really have a lot of people following them. Uh, They do everything they can to marginalize people and destroy them by making them appear to be irrelevant. And the way they do that, because they can't do it honestly, they have to make people appear uh, irrelevant by rigging the numbers, artificially lowering the numbers, and doing everything they can to demonize you and diminish you in terms of how the public, how your enemies, and how your followers perceive you. Now, this is important that we all become very savvy, very sophisticated, about this, and we don't tolerate it. Because you see, it's not just about me or these other people that you know. It's ultimately about all of us. Because let me give you a hypothetical example. Let's say you have a hobby. Let's say your hobby is, I don't know, flying kites. I have no idea. Okay. And let's say you publish a blog or whatever. And it just turns out that there's a lot of people in America that like to fly kites and and like to talk about it and show photographs of it. So you initially thought that this blog site might attract a thousand people, but 
by some fluke, and there's no flukes of your serving God, it turns out that your blog site on flying kites is now regularly 350,000 people uh, every two months are visiting your website, watching your videos, and reading your articles. So you now have, on a regular basis, over 300,000 people connecting to you on the Internet because of your kite-flying blog site. Why is that important? Well, let's assume for the moment that, that you don't you know, necessarily promote your Christian beliefs or you don't use Bible verses on your stuff or whatever. Let's just assume that for a moment. When you have, whether it's real or rigged, when you have numbers like that, 300,000 people following your kite-flying thing, that is perceived by the world system, analysts, banks, employers, scholarship people, companies that might hire you, people that are checking up on you. 300,000 followers in your kite-flying social media blog is considered in the industry as a powerful financial asset. It's worth money. It's, it, it shows that you are connected. It, it, it shows many, many positive things. And it, this all translates into favor. Doors will open for you to get jobs that you wouldn't normally get. You will be able to generate money independently if you have that many people following your blog site because of the mainstream nature of your subject matter, flying kites. Just about any corporation uh, would be glad to advertise on your social media, your YouTube channel, your Facebook channel, or Rumble, or whatever. And so, do you see how this works synergistically? I remember for years, you know, I've written uh, 46 books. Many of them are bestsellers, you know, countless TV shows, my own radio show. I'm not here to, to, to tell you about my bio again. My children really were totally indifferent to that. And I'm thankful for that, by the way. They didn't look at me, even though many people in their schools, their parents were listeners of my radio program and stuff, or they had heard about me. Somehow, my kids were, were protected from that kind of false perception that their father is larger than life. They knew their father was just a, a regular guy like anybody else, and I'm thankful for that. So the thing is, though, one day, this was years after they were all attending uh, uh, Christian schools, one day, Somebody told my kids uh, that, hey, did you know your father is in, 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 on Wikipedia? And in Wikipedia, it talks about my career and my Christianity and my faith and Fox News Network and the Paul McGuire Show and all kinds of stuff and being an author and a speaker and interviewing privately presidents and prime ministers, blah, 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 blah. The point was that was the first time my kids were ever even remotely impressed about anything I did. Prior to that, they were, like, embarrassed. So what, because my kids all grew up, like many of your kids, in the social media, laptop, cell phone era, what, what convinces them, above anything else, that something's valuable, important, and worth looking at is what is its social media ranking? And, and things like, you know, is your dad or mom, are they... Are they featured in Wikipedia and these other things that are like, I didn't know it at the time, but they're considered status symbols, especially among young people. Okay, so 
That bought me, with my kids, favor, power, open doors, jobs, all kinds of things. Doors open up in the ministry. So what I'm trying to tell you is, whether we like it or not, we have to understand that the world we live in is an electronic, digital society, and people appraise you and uh, estimate your worth, your influence, your outreach, your power, by what your social media rankings are argue in things like Wikipedia, etc. And then they make their judgment about you based on that incomplete set of facts. Now, that's why it's important that we support one another and we support the people that we believe in, because I'll tell you what, the Satanists, the, the climate change people, the atheists, the transhumanists, and any, any, any political group, the uh, Black Lives Matter people, all political groups, all religious groups, any cause, any movement, any, any collection of ideas in America is driven almost entirely now by social media and your numerical rankings in social media. That's the name of the game. That's reality. Okay, so once upon a time in America, myself and many people that you would know in the alternative media circles that are Christians and take bold stands for truth like we do, like I have been doing. You know, I've put my money where my mouth is. I've laid my life down on the line like many others. I've been doing this for over 50 years, folks. You know, in season and out of season. So if you look at my life and this ministry, you're supposed to look at it through the grid of biblical accountability. And the Bible teaches you how to determine whether or not somebody uh, can be considered before God a, a, a effective Christian leader. There's a test. And, and part of the test to determine whether or not you're an effective Christian leader is the Bible asks questions like, are you the faithful husband of one wife? Yes. I've only been married to one wife, Christina, faithfully. For, for uh, we were married in uh, like grief 1777, I think, or late 1776. 1777. So that's a long time, folks. Faithfully married to one woman. That is a that that fulfills the biblical standard, and then more that you have a good reputation among the community. Yes, I have a good reputation among the community because I've worked hard to do that. And so there's many other things that are absolute necessities for biblical leadership, such as sound doctrine, uh, things of that nature. And I qualify. Now, I didn't tell you this to boast. I told you this to tell you that God has an accountability system. So um, for decade after decade after decade, by God's grace, I'm not, I don't want to go into it again, but my ministry, Paradise Mountain Church, Paul McGuire Ministries, the books, the conferences, my messages, the radio programs, the TV programs, all of that stuff together, over 46 books, and interacting with leaders and prime ministers and stuff like that, and my message being broadcast and distributed all over the world. Many programs alone, where I appeared as, uh, for an hour as a guest and gave my complete testimony about how I was miraculously saved hitchhiking on the back roads of Missouri. Many of those shows where I gave my testimony 
you can still look up in the internet and they have an excess of over 1 million people have watched or heard my testimony per one hour show, per one hour show. So if you simply add up all those shows in a, in a quickie style, you know, Sid Roth show, uh, it's supernatural. And you know, I could go on and on and on, Pat Robertson. Um, if you simply add those shows up, if you just add nothing more than these Christian mega shows, which I have appeared on just about all of them over the decades, right then and there, you've got 20 million people that have heard your testimony, and it's factual, and you can get in the, the data and the computation is accurate and sound. So how can you keep growing exponentially, reaching more people with a biblical worldview, uh, teaching people the Bible? teaching people Bible prophecy, uh, preaching on revival, um, um, standing faithfully for the Word of God, being an evangelist, being a pastor of a church, Paradise Mountain Church, and so on and so forth. And so if you do a, a shortcut, uh, shortcut computation of the number of people who have heard my testimony, been exposed to my teaching and my message um, over the last you know 50 years, all you have to do is just count recently, in the last five years, I could name you these big shows like Sid Roth, It's Supernatural, and, you know, and many others. You add them all up, and, and, you know, they stay up there on the Internet. And as time goes by, within three years' time, you know, that show has been watched or heard by over a million people. So if you add a, a, a very minor amount, 15 to 20 of these one-hour shows, which, by the way, are Almost 100% of the time, they are re-aired about, on, on average, about three to five times in a three-year period. They get re-aired again all over the world, all over the U.S. And then you see the numbers, and the, the conservative numbers for every one of these shows is a million people. So if, you, if you've been on 15 or 20 shows, you've reached 15 to 20 million people with an in-depth ministry coming from your testimony. Now, that's just the beginning. So I'm not telling you this to brag. That's not the point. So if those numbers are constantly going up, and they are, because we generate our own contents, the Paul McGuire Report, the, the Paul McGuire.us website, the Paradise Mountain Church uh, teachings and, and meetings on television, the Roku channel, all the social media platforms, if we, if we look at the growth of the, the books, if we look at the growth and the outreach of the ministry, and if we look at the growth, the numerical growth of uh, appearing on all these big Christian TV programs, you see a clear-cut numerical growth in a three-year period that is easily 15 to 20 million people. So how is it that my social media numbers, like the Facebook and Google and stuff, which, which my videos and stuff that I would send up, which used to be every three months, many of them would receive millions of watches, millions of listens, millions of people signing up, millions of people uh, uh, watching and listening on a regular basis, year after year. The same with these other people I'm talking about. They receive the same thing. So millions and millions of people. I'm growing and growing and growing because by God's grace and being in the right place at the right time. So, because of my effectiveness verbally as a communicator, which is well known, 
Okay, I'm not trying to brag, but it's, it's a fact. The more effective you are as a communicator, and the more people you're reaching. Now, remember, I'm growing and growing and growing, and I'm being heard all over the world. So, all the other people you know that that have the same achievement record are are experienced the same thing that I have experienced. You get identified, you get profiled, and then you get attacked. You get attacked primarily through AI and bots artificially lowering the number of watchers, likes, the, the number of uh, listeners. And so the numbers they show on a video or a program or a podcast that are supposed to be accurate numbers of how many people are actually listening are completely uh, falsified and artificially lowered with the intentional plan of using psyops or psychological operations to create the lie in the minds of your followers and the public that that you know you're not to be taken seriously it's it's done to marginalize you but it's all based on lies it's all based on lies now the reason i know that for a fact is because we have access to private confidential data and we have other means to accurately measure the data and get a more realistic idea on how many watchers and listeners, et cetera, we have. And we are being attacked with the intention of marginalizing us and trying to destroy us. And it's not just me, anybody who's effective as a Christian, anybody, what they hate the most is people who are are successful at reaching people who are not Christians, who are not conservatives, who are not interested in what's going on. If you're the kind of communicator that can win people to Christ, get people excited about Bible prophecy. If you're the kind of communicator that brings people over from the other side and gets people to turn the lights on in their brain, if you're that kind of communicator, then you are their enemy. And they're going to do everything they can to marginalize you artificially, which is called lying. This is the nature of the all out technological, psychological, Genetic, um, full, uh, from a military sense, although we're we're totally about peace and law-abiding, uh, you know, praying things like that. The, the key is that in the military, they talk about a victorious military as maintaining a full spectrum dominance. Full spectrum dominance means that in every area of military conflict, whether it's the ocean, the rivers, the land, the cities, the power centers, or whatever, that that the victorious military is supposed to theoretically have full-spectrum dominance of every viable area. Full-spectrum dominance means our soldiers and our military control these important assets on the earth. Now, I've expanded the definition of full-spectrum dominance by removing the non-Christian bias from that template and allowing a biblical perspective into the template of evaluation of the spectrums. And I've talked about this in detail in my books, and I say that you can't have full-spectrum dominance without um, rejecting, rooting out the bias you have against the spiritual world, the invisible realm, 
the truth of Christianity, the truth of biblical morality and a biblical worldview. As long as you're in denial, which means you're believing a lie about these other spectrums, you're saying these other spectrums are non-existent. That's a lie. So you can't dominate or occupy or have military victory over any category or spectrum if if what's inhibiting you from winning the spiritual battle or if you're in the military if what is inhibiting you from winning the physical battle by conquering uh the various spheres or spectrums you you dominate it through superior military strength technology and training etc but you see you have an Achilles heel because if you're walking around in your pride, which is a form of a delusion and a lie, and you, without having any facts to support it, you arbitrarily decide that um, that Christianity, the spiritual world, angels, God, the power of God, the fulfillment of Bible prophecy, and all these other things in a biblical worldview, they constitute a very real spectrum. They constitute a very real and very powerful category and area that either the devil and the demonic will uh, exercise dominion over, or God's people, if they get right with God and his word, they will exercise dominion over these areas, rightfully so. So that is known as full-spectrum dominance. Full-spectrum, though, necessitates that you can't be biased, and you have to pull in every potential Every spectrum there is, including Christianity, the, the invisible world, the spiritual realm, angels, and all of those things, because they are real. They're not, they're not fiction, they're not fantasy, and they're not fairy tales. They're real. So the military that prevails is the military that, that humbles itself before God and maintains full-spectrum dominance. Now, when we come back, I'm going to tell you something, which is part of what I call the core message that the Lord has given me. For the last three years, beginning before the COVID uh, epidemic or pandemic and the vaccinations and the social isolation and all that stuff, for the last three years, I've been continuing to uh, uh, organize this ministry, continuing to do the, the radio programs, the outreaches, et cetera, et cetera. But for the last three years, I have prioritized uh, seeking the Lord with forms of fasting, prayer, uh, uh, spiritual intercessory prayer, spiritual warfare, seeking God with all of my heart, soul, and mind, repenting of my sins, crying out to God that, that I would be used by Him to speak His message in His way, and desperately pleading before the Lord that, Lord, I just don't want to be you know, blabbing fragmentary, fragmentary biblical truths, you know, just blabbing them. And it sounds good, but, but it's not anointed. And it sounds like, you know, you're a clanging cymbal or, cymbal or you're banging a metal drum with a metal spoon. It's glaring and it's annoying. And I cried out to God that I wouldn't present his truth that way. And not only that, I became acutely aware about three years ago, after fighting this spiritual battle, after writing now 46 books and influencing people all over the world and leading many, many people to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, I was crying out to God in intercessory spiritual warfare, asking him to give me wisdom so I might share that wisdom with his people, 
asking the Lord to give me answers so that I would share those answers with his people, asking the Lord to show me principles of victory and overcoming so I might share that with his people, and, and really not wanting to just be blabbing in front of a microphone and literally coming into to the Lord's presence through the blood of Jesus Christ. So many, many, many times every single day, especially at night, as I'll do it all through the night for hours in the middle of the night. I stand on this verse, and I encourage you to do the same thing. This verse is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible. And so I constantly, many times a day and all through the night, I come boldly into the throne room of God. And the reason I'm able to come boldly into the throne room of God is because I know that by faith in God's word and faith in God's promises uh, and faith in the blood of Jesus Christ, I know that I've been cleansed of all sin by putting my faith in the blood of Jesus Christ. So the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me of all sin, and I have become, by faith, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. This entitles me legally, according to the kingdom of heaven, to come boldly to the throne of grace. That means the throne of unmerited favor. It's not a throne of legalism. It's not a, thr- a throne of the law. If that was the case, nobody in their right mind, including me, would come boldly to God's throne. Why? Because if we were going to be met by legalism and the law and condemnation by God, we would be terrified, and we would, we would be broken and we wouldn't dare come boldly into the throne room of God. What gives us the confidence to come boldly into the throne room of God is that we know for a certainty that all of our sins by faith have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and because our sins have be, are cleansed by the blood of Jesus, we now have the spiritual right to come boldly to the throne of grace to find an ever-present help in time of need. And so I do that continually throughout the day, throughout the night, sometimes for hours at a time at night. And um, I come to God, and I bring with him my family, people the Lord puts on my heart, the ministry, the names of people that support this ministry, uh, the concerns of our nation politically and in every other area, the need for evangelism, revival, my family, my your family, I mean, I'm continually going into the throne room of God, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, and bringing into the throne room of God myself and all these, well, what they are is they're they're spectrums in a spiritual battle. And the only way, by partnering with God in prayer, that I can achieve, by the grace of God, a spiritual victory, which could be identified as full-spectrum dominance, is when, by faith, I allow all the sins to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That enables me the right to come boldly to the throne room of God. I bring all the key areas or all the key spectrums or all the key people in the spiritual battle. And then I call on the name of Jesus. I exercise my authority in Jesus' name, binding the principalities and powers. And I exercise in Jesus' name a dominion and authority. Uh, treading over the serpent based on the fact that I have made my appeal directly to the throne room of God, and I'm invoking by faith 
the full spectrum dominance in a spiritual, physical, multi-dimensional battle known as the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, which is a title of one of my new books, and you need to get it. So that's my, my prayer secret, because I learned years ago, and I can't tell you, I, I would be lying if I said I did this perfectly. I don't do it perfectly, but I endeavor to do it perfectly. And so what I do continually as a disciplined soldier in the Lord because you see, I am painfully, painfully aware that Paul McGuire, the Ministry of Paradise Mountain Church, the books, the radio programs, the podcasts, the videos, the conferences, the church meetings, all the stuff that I do, all the stuff that we put out, is we are relying on the truth of the Word of God, and then we're relying on the anointing of the Holy Spirit to energize all of these efforts, and communication efforts especially, to energize them with the supernatural power of God, or the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, also known as energizing the words, the communication, the teaching, the evangelism. It's all being energized by continually going into the throne room of grace and calling upon God to pour out His Spirit upon what we do, which is another way of saying God, on the basis of faith in Christ and the blood of Jesus Christ, and the words that Jesus Christ told us, I am coming to you now, and I'm tarrying, I'm seeking your face, I'm waiting upon you, and I'm asking you, God, right now in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you, God, to pour out your Holy Spirit, to pour out power from on high upon me, this ministry, and your people, to pour out um, the dunamis or the dynamite detonation, explosive force, or explosive power of, of the Holy Spirit, the dunamis dynamite power of God, which goes off in the invisible realm with the intensity of like a, a hydrogen or an atomic bomb, except the, the explosion, the dunamis, the dynamite, the detonation, the explosion is not an explosion of hate or destruction or annihilation. The explosion, the dunamis dynamite power of God that explodes, is targeted specifically towards the satanic strongholds, which are the satanic barriers, the satanic lies, the satanic delusions, the satanic operations in this earth. And they shatter and they implode when they encounter the force of the dunamis dynamite power of God. Now, how you walk in that, how you harness that, when you study the lives of all the great revivalists, especially in the last 300 years, whether it's, and I talk about this and I explain all this in my books, A Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, um, The Day the Dollar Died, Conquering the Matrix, um, so many others. Are you ready? Um, Power from on high, the greatest battle for the hearts and minds of mankind in the history of the world, and many other books. I build on this teaching, and I I help you accelerate. It starts out easy. It's not a bore. I believe that one of the most primary rules for an author or a communicator is, thou shall not bore your audience. And I try not to bore you. I, in fact, I don't bore you. 
because my, my, my mission is to turn you on to the awesome wonder of the supernatural power of the living God. So what comes next? So what comes next is when you read the story of Charles Finney, father of the Second Great Awakening, or Jonathan Edwards, father of the First Great Awakening, or you read the, the stories of these independent revivalists like, like John Wesley and, and many others, uh, and, and, and there's people that are controversial that you may not like, and I'm not here to, to you know, go down a list uh, at the moment. I mean, it's a valid concern, and, and it should be discussed, but that would take like a several-month course in and of itself. The key thing here is anyone who was used by God, whether it was, you know, Charles Spurgeon who, who rocked Europe with his intellectual and biblical sermons, and yet Charles Spurgeon uh, would just smoke a cigar and enjoy it in front of everybody. You see, there's, you're not going to lose the anointing because you smoke a cigar. That's an evangelical mythology. Now, it's true. Smoking a cigar may kill you of, of you know, cancer over the long period of time. I mean, but that is a reality. But, but you know, let's not confi- confuse temporal, cultural priorities with biblical priorities. Some of the greatest men and women of God didn't fit the cookie-cutter box mold of mundaneness and predictability. So Charles Spurgeon rocked the European continent, so much so that Rothschild would come to hear him preach. And so the key here is, I need your help. And see, you have to do something. So and I have to do something. The Lord is speaking to you. The Lord is speaking to me. The question is, will we obey the Lord? And if you're not being led to stand with me and partner with me, that's fine. Because you see, I trust the Lord. It's the Lord that's my source. Then, But then it's incumbent upon you to find out who the Lord is directing you to pray for and support. It's just that simple. Now, I have noticed something. I have noticed that there's a disturbing number of Christians in America who the amount of what they give in terms of tithes, offerings, gifts, intercessory prayer, volunteerism, there's a significant percentage of Christians who will only give money, prayer, time, volunteerism, if they're going to get something out of the deal, even if they're going to get something out of the deal via a backdoor deal. And by that I mean they have a strange tendency to give their money, their time, their volunteerism, their, their intercessory prayer, or donate their gifting when they get something directly and measurably out of it. In other words, they receive a promotion within the church, even as a volunteer, or they're given access to the, the, the stage or the center platform, or they're given opportunities to preach messages or or uh, give their testimony. All kinds of doors will open for you if the religious leaders perceive you've got the big bucks. I need to challenge you in that, as I need to challenge me. Is that acceptable before God? No, the answer is absolutely not. Above all, you are to give, donate, pray, intercede, and volunteer to the minister, to the ministry uh, that is truly feeding you, not that is providing a cushy social network for you, one that's truly speeding, uh, informing you, truly educating you, truly preparing you 
for what's really going on in our world, truly building you up and truly preaching the Word of God, and has a long-term track record for truly winning souls and making disciples for Jesus Christ. So when you pray, you you need to review that list of accountability factors. Now, that's why I ask you, we're, we're in this together. I'm, I'm taking a stand, as others are, for your children, your grandchildren, your loved ones, your community, your neighborhood, your job. Everything I'm doing affects all of those things. But my effectiveness, my ability to, to, to implement massive changes is directly connected to the, to the financial contributions, the donations, the financial gifts we get the intensity of the spiritual warfare and prayer, and the willingness of people to volunteer and spread our message. So back to the original request. It it will cost you nothing, but I'm asking you to sign up, like, join our e-blast list and all our social media. Otherwise, and that would be the same true with anybody else that's feeding you. And the reason I'm saying is this. One day, in the relatively near future, you're going to wake up, and all the people that you've been relying on for information and to be fed spiritually and for an analysis of what's going on prophetically, they will be censored. They will be gone from the Internet. And that's it. It's over. You will be left in the dark. Now, if we move now when there's a strategic opportunity, then that, then that very negative outcome does not necessarily have to happen. God put the ball in our court. God put the ball in our court. So if we obey him, we can change the outcome. But we need to move quickly. This isn't a game. All right, this is Paul McGuire. I need you to go to paulmcguire.us. Please watch the American Matrix video I recorded it for you and spread it far far and wide. It's a it's I think people that, you know, wouldn't normally warm up to the subject. I think when they watch my American Matrix video, which is fun and kind of like shot live in Times Square, that that will download truth to them in a non-threatening way. So I really encourage you. I think it's one of the best things that I've ever done. And to be honest with you, I can't take full credit for it because whatever I did was by God's help. It was like an accident. Everything about it was like (laughs) it just came together. Um, Okay, so you want to do that now. My goal is to win the multi-dimensional battle and war by teaching God's people how to use and implement their high-level spiritual weapons. Because the Apostle Paul said, and continues to say, for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Okay, Only the weapons of our warfare that are supernaturally mighty through God, the power of the dunamis, can take down the demonic armies, can take down the territorial spirits. But the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. For our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the principalities and the powers and the dark, unseen forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what we're fighting. So my books train you. And they'll train your loved ones. But you need to get them. You need to read them. You need to pass them around. Knowledge is power. And what I want you to understand, and this is so hard for all of us, including me, we, the bias of normalcy, 
we we have been indoctrinated our entire lives into believing that the world really is nothing more than what we can see and perceive with our physical senses. The problem is, is that is a deficient worldview. The true world that we live and operate in is not just a physical reality world. The true world that we live in is a multi-dimensional world that consists of somewhere between 11 and 14 different dimensions. Dimensions beyond time and space, dimensions in the invisible realm or the spiritual world, and they are all interconnected. <clears throat> and what you will read over and over again in the Bible is that God in the uh, book of Genesis and the Old Testament, and God in the New Testament, <clears throat> is continually over and over again, attempting to teach his people to become the masters of both realities, to become the high-level spiritual warriors that can victoriously defeat the, the devil, the demons, Lucifer, and the following followers of Lucifer through using the weapons of our warfare that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. So, it's a two-front approach. On one hand, we use logic, reason, history, science, engineering, psychology, and when we process the multidimensional war going on in America right now, which is designed to bring America down and destroy it, the purpose and agenda of the globalist elite is to enslave the middle class and the working class by taking all their money, by devaluing all their money, by inflating all their money. The purpose of the globalist elite is they are a mechanism of lies and propaganda designed to promote what used to be called the, the satanic New World Order, which was a global government, global religion, <clears throat> and a global economic system. So they rebranded the New World Order with a new term called the Great Reset. The Great Reset is, 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 in, is in the process right now. Klaus Schwab and others, they're in the process right now of putting together uh, a new New World Order called the Great Reset that consists of a global government, a global uh, economic system, and a global religion. And this will be ruled by the less than 1% of the super capitalists and the super wealthy, or the globalist elite, the, the, the invisible kings and queens of planet Earth. And they are going to, they're in the process of devaluing our money. And they do, they, they do, their mechanisms are based on the occultic, satanic, Luciferian principle known as order out of chaos. So they're constantly manufacturing crisis, constantly uh, creating a new world order out of chaos. They're constantly doing this. And their goal is to establish a planetary, totalitarian dictatorship, a planetary dictatorship that where they rule the earth through uh, scientific mind control, a scientific elite, a technocratic elite. They rule the world through advanced technology, advanced sciences. Many of these sciences and technologies, as I explain in great detail and easy to read manner in my book, books, are actually futuristic technologies and futuristic sciences that go back to the ancient super civilizations 
like Atlantis, if it existed, like Agartha, if it, if it existed, like the super civilizations that allegedly existed deep under the ice of Antarctica and the North Pole, where the, the, the alleged Nazi belief in a master race, this blonde-haired, blue-eyed race of so-called genetic supermen, crashed their UFO, according to the Nazi scientists, in the area of Sweden and the Scandinavian countries and Germany. And when they discovered through their technology that there was going to be a massive flood, like the flood of Noah, they migrated as fast as they could to Antarctica, and they descended deep under, uh, under Antarctica, and they built a super civilization uh, uh, deep under Antarctica. And deep under Antarctica, there's this ball of energy, which is called the midnight sun, and it generates heat, healing, intelligence. It generates military power. It's a multidimensional source of energy. And the name of this source of energy, which looks like a ball, the midnight sun, buried deep under Antarctica, uh, the name of this energy is known as Vril, V-R-I-L. And it's the Nazi scientists who cultivated the Vril force, and the Vril society was one of their occultic secret societies. Now, remember, at the end of World War II, the American military-industrial complex, including NASA, and the mind control scientists, and the rocket scientists, and the genetic scientists, they worked with the American scientists. They were placed in the highest level positions in, in you know, MIT, and Yale, and Harvard, and Stanford, et cetera, et cetera, to continue their experimentation and work. Werner von Braun was both a master occultist, a member of the Vril Society, a genius rocket scientist, a genius mind control scientist, but Werner von Braun was also uh, a member of the Vril Society and a occultist. So that's what we're dealing with. Because all of these people, they have harnessed the supernatural energies of black physics, the Vril Force, the occult, Qigong, the Kundalini serpent power, and all these other things. Portals from another dimension. They, they allowed themselves and maneuvered themselves into getting downloads uh, from uh, uh, very advanced entities that had advanced scientific knowledge and technology. So when the Third Reich fell and Hitler was deeply involved in all these occult societies, and when the Third Reich fell, um, they under a secret operation known as Operation Paperclip, they smuggled in over 10,000 Nazi rocket scientists, Nazi mind control scientists, and Nazi genetic scientists to America to continue their operations. Now, I, I talk about all of this in great detail in my books, like uh, Prophecy of the Future of America, Volume 1 and 2, and all the other books. So the purpose of this is to incrementally line after line, precept after precept, measuring it, shaping it, and balancing it with a truly biblical worldview. I'm trying to strategically impart into your spirit, into your brain, into your memories, into your logic, into your reason. I'm trying to impart 
into you on a multidimensional level. Wisdom, knowledge, power, science, technology, a biblical worldview, the principles of God, the keys of the kingdom in the Bible that God has already given you. And when you use these keys of the kingdom, you unlock doors in the universe. And the doors you unlock make you the recipient of infinite power, as in power from on high or the dunamis. They, they give you the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They give you the fruits of the Holy Spirit. You can be given supernaturally in an instant. Don't shut this out of your mind through tradition. In an instant, you can, you can be walking around worshiping the Lord, and in a nanosecond, the next thing you know, you have been given by God the power to get wealth. Because it says in the Bible that God literally gives his people the power supernaturally to make wealth. So I don't care what your current financial condition is. I don't care what people have predicted for your life. If you will habitually go before the throne of God with boldness, seeking his face, crying out to him, and syncing up with him and repenting of your sins, God is more, is more than able to meet all of your need. And in a nanosecond, he can impart into you an awesome gifting where all of a sudden you have this overwhelming power to get wealth and make wealth that you previously didn't have. And it's the last days, and there are ministries and missions and destinies and spiritual battles that have to be won, land that has to be occupied, America that has to be taken back for Jesus Christ. But an essential resource that runs through all of this is that God's people at every level need to be able to get access to money, uh, things of value to capitalize their businesses, entrepreneurship, uh, finance ministries, etc., etc. Now, God is a supernatural God. So God has given his people a supernatural promise and a supernatural resource. The supernatural resource in the last days, which is the time period we live in, simply operates like this. God has already given you the supernatural power to make wealth or generate wealth. In other words, the supernatural ability or the extraordinary ability for any individual to generate wealth, to make wealth and to get wealth, is not merely a product of blood, sweat, and tears. It's not that God doesn't honor blood, sweat, and tears. He does. But ultimately, when God gives you the power to get wealth, he's giving you a supernatural blessing and a supernatural power that overrides, on a miraculous level, all natural systems, and you find that you're receiving supernatural favor, supernatural income, supernatural wisdom, and all kinds of things. We can turn the battle around when the body of Christ, like you and me, and I'm talking about you listening, I want you to hear, please, I humbly ask this, I'm asking you to hear now what the Lord is speaking to you in your spiritual man and spiritual woman. Because the Lord is knocking on the door of your heart, just like he did in the book of Revelation. And he's knocking on the door of your heart, asking that you would open up that door and fellowship with him 
and have supper with him. In other words, have a very close relationship, an intimate relationship with him. Because out of the intimate relationship with God will flow the power, the anointing, the resources, and the victory that you need. So, I strongly encourage you to get my books at a quantity discount. Save money at paulmcguire.us. Stand with me in practical terms by joining the eblast, signing up for the different social media pages. Become a regular spiritual prayer warrior for me, my family, and those associated with this ministry. And spread our message far and wide like the American Matrix video. Now, here's the point of science and faith I want to close with. After decades of studying, I realized that if you had only somewhere between 20 and 4% of the people totally committed to a cause of transforming any given nation, let's say for Jesus Christ, all you need is a dedicated somewhere between 20% and 4% of the population. If they're dedicated and sold out to Jesus Christ, they can change the outcome of that nation. Okay? That is what we must keep in mind. But in the last year, as I dove even deeper into deep research, I realized that I had miscalculated. And the Lord showed me, statistically and through historical examples, that all you need is a dedicated 1% or a 1% of the Christian population that is totally sold out for the things of God. So you just need an on-fire, dunamis, or power from on high, 1% of the Christian, uh, the true Christian people, set on fire by the power of the Holy Spirit and guided by the Word of God. Just 1% can change forever the direction of history and the outcome of that nation. So I am, I am focusing all of our efforts into not only capturing that 20% and capturing that 4%, but I am also, with equal fervor, going after that 1%. Because even if I only get 1%, by the grace of God, you and I can change the future of America in a very profound way, in a way that will shake this nation, but it will be a good shaking. The enemies of God are coming at us with everything that they have, but we have the dunamis dynamite power of God. We have the angelic armies of God. We have the numerous technologies of God, such as the chariots of fire. And we have the mind of Christ and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit. We have so many assets and resources that we can take the land like Joshua and Caleb did. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Dare to allow God to use you. Boldly come to the throne of grace. Ask God how much he wants you to donate or contribute financially. And whatever the Lord puts on your heart, no matter how much or how little, the key is that you obey him. So whatever he tells you to do, you radically do it. And you give what he tells you to do, expecting that if you do it the way God tells you to do it, God will reward you and meet your needs above and beyond your wildest expectation. God bless you. This is Paul McGuire. Visit paulmcguire.us. Mm-hmm.